friends, and welcome to Love, Hate, Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Bowell. And I'm Alex Ruiz. And as ever, we are here to brighten your days, anger your souls, and tell you how to live your lives in that order. And Andy. Alex. When we sat down to record, I didn't necessarily know what our douchebag buffer was going to be. But then I found a very stupid email <laughs> from my apartment complex that they sent. And, 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 you know, we record with our laptops in front of us. And I just have my yeah. Gmail open because it's sure. a convenient place for our notes. And I, I have to set this stage. Earlier this afternoon, um, I was sitting with Stephanie, my wife. And, you know, we were we were eating like a casual little lunch in front of the TV. We watched the first episode of the new season of Letterkenny. Um, and we could hear one of our neighbors, like, in our hallway, banging on a door and, like, screaming to whoever was inside this door to be like, let me in. Mm. Let me the fuck in. And, like, Nico's freaking out at this point. Sure, and course. And, like, we're holding him and we're just like, it's okay, boy. And I'm, and I'm, like, half ready to step outside and just be like, yo, shut the fuck up. But... Admittedly, I'm nervous to yell at white women in public because <laughs> what happens is my door gets busted in and I get shot. So uh, sure. <laughs> I feel bad that I laughed now. Oh, no, you're good. It's funny. Um, but I got an email from my apartment complex like two hours ago, which means it's like three hours after it happened, two or three hours after it happened. And it's just like. Banging on door is the title. It opens with, if the following email does not pertain to you, please disregard and let me know as I am trying to pinpoint the unit in question. <laughs> and it's just like my apartment complex basically being like, we've been informed of loud banging on the door, cursing and aggressive behavior, causing a disturbance, possibly from you or the neighbor across from you. Situation seems to be that someone who lives in this or a surrounding apartment near you is a resident who's trying to get into their apartment without a key and asking someone inside to let them in, which includes yelling and cursing at the person inside. The situation seems to be reoccurring and heated, oh. causing a disturbance to the surrounding apartments. Oh, no. We ask to please be respectful of your neighbors. If And then it's just like, hey, if you're on a lease and you need an extra key, like, contact the office. And I'm just sitting here like, this is the most, like, this is the dumbest email. This is the most milk toast, tepid. We don't want to accuse you of doing this, but we don't know who's doing this. So we're sending you this email. And by the way, if you need a key, let us know. But also don't bang on the door and swear at your neighbors. That's the thing that gets me. The We don't know if this applies to you or not. We're sending a general fact-finding email. No, what that tells me is that someone on like the floor below us is like, I don't know whose apartment sure. it is, but someone on the floor. But like, I, 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 If I knocked on the doors of these various apartments, probably everyone on my floor... Or maybe a few people in my building probably got this. And I'm just sitting here like, I see you're trying not to accuse anyone of anything, but you're also trying to get me to snitch. <laughs> right, indeed. That also crossed my mind. And I'm also and I'm just sitting here like, this is this is dumb. <laughs> this is a bad approach to this. So I swear to God we didn't plan this. But I also have a a neighborly story. Oh. Um Last night, I, I happened to be walking around late, and as I'm, like, coming up my stairs, 
on the complete other end of the hall, like outside, there is a, a what appears to be a white girl, a white woman, like on the phone, sitting in front of her door, drunk as can be. Oh. Comically slurring drunk. Talking to somebody about how they need to come pick her up. And talking to this person on speakerphone. And I swear, this is what I heard. Maybe this isn't what was said, but what I hear is, it is 1030 at night. I'm a felon. I'm not doing that. And I assessed the situation, assessed this girl was not actually in danger, and then decided this was not my responsibility and went inside my apartment. I'm a big believer in things like community protection. You should probably, you know, have at least some degree of rapport with your neighbors. You never know when you'll need to band together for, you know, inclement situations. Sure. But this is the shit that makes me want to sit in my apartment and hoard guns. (laughs) I just... And I get it. I don't want to be the person who's just like pops my head out the door and goes, hey, you're scaring my dog. I know you don't want to be the kind of person who just goes, miss, are you okay? And and I feel the need to cover myself a little bit here. In a previous situation, a previous apartment, when I witnessed domestic abuse firsthand, I immediately called 911 Mm. and like did something. So like... I, I agree with you that I think there is a time and a place and there is a level wherein one must insert themselves in a situation they know nothing about. Mm. I'm just sitting here like... I'm a fairly... I, I like to think of myself as a fairly like low-key neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't bother people. I don't knock on anyone's doors. I, I, if someone says hello to me, I'm like, hi. Yeah. And then I like duck out. I was walking Nico earlier today. And as I was passing by like a downstairs neighbor, a clearly stoned white man held out his hand and he was like, hi boy. Like he was trying to say hi. And I'm like, no. And I just walked away (laughs) and I just like kept walking and he didn't say anything about it, but I was just like, I don't know. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you because I have ah, hear, ah. I have headphones in and I live that life. Uh, uh-huh. But I don't need to, like, get to know you, random hippie neighbor. Which is funny because just, like, when I've come over to your house once or twice, people who live somewhere on your in your building have, like, spoken to me, I think assuming I live there, and been like, hey, I'm John, that's Kara. I'm like, hi. And then I've never seen these people again. Why do white people introduce themselves to people they don't? Even, you know what? It's because they're not afraid of being put in somebody's in somebody's fucking police statement. Yeah, what is it? You said they're they're not afraid of the door getting kicked down and they get shot. Yeah, no, it's it's you, you it's that is the confidence of a person who does not believe that something terrible will happen in this building. And that over the course of police interrogating every single person in the building, someone just remembers your name and gives it to the police. Sure. Because that's what I'm afraid of. I'm like, no, you don't get to know my name. You don't get to know what (laughs) unit I'm in. You're lucky I'm allowing you to, like, see me for long enough for a character description. Fuck you. (laughs) Jesus. I trust none of you. I I, I mean, I'm not, like, going to try to argue out of that or anything. I'm just... 
I'm I'm shy. <laughs> like I don't talk to my neighbors because like I don't know you well enough to talk to you. Thereby perpetuating the cycle of I'm never going to get to know you well enough to talk to you. And that's fine. Also that's in, okay. Also, in fairness, you live in Asheville. And in this town, if someone's trying to describe to a police sketch artist, yes, he was a tall white man with a floofy beard and glasses. That is 30% of the male population of Asheville. Easily. Easily. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Welcome to love-hate relationship, everyone. Oh. Uh, it feels like we do these episodes so intermittently now, and, and we really got to get back on that schedule. But you know what? We're here, and we're going to bang this one out. Uh, every single one of these episodes, we like to come at you with three segments. One of us is going to talk about something that we love. Another one of us is going to talk about something we hate. And then we take relationship questions from either you or the internet. Indeed. And we give our perfectly unqualified advice, the best that we can possibly do. And Andy, I have the love this time. You do have the love this time. And I'm, I'm very excited. We're, we're kind of doing this one off the cuff. We have something very... Very big plan for episode 100, and it's going to involve a lot of notes and a, and a whole thing. But this is episode 99. So we're phoning it in. So we're doing it off the cuff. We've done 98 of these motherfuckers. We know how to do this at this point. We're, ki- we're, we're, we're kind of okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what? And, and speaking of that, I'm going to take this way back to an episode that none of you ever heard because it was one of our practice episodes and it was a segment that I did for one of those practice episodes when we were still trying to figure out what the fuck we were doing. Right, indeed. So, Andy, you have taken your opportunities on this show to talk about the one sport that you legitimately follow, which is hockey. I've had had a good, a bad, and an ugly. Yes, that's right. You've had you've talked about hockey, then you've talked about a team that you love, which is the Lightning. Yep. And you've talked about a team that you hate, but I can't remember if that was a love or a hate because you also kind of said that you just love laughing at them. Well, yeah. So I t- I talked about how I love the Tampa Bay Lightning. I talked about how I hate the New England Patriots of football, and then the ugly was the Arizona Coyotes, whom I do just love to laugh at. Ugh. Terrible. But I've, like, and this is no secret to anyone who's been listening to the podcast, I have a sport that I follow. It's a sport that none of you follow. Statistically, none of you who are listening to this follow this sport. Which makes this a great and informative experience. Indeed. But this was a topic that I had in one of those practice episodes, and I'm dragging it back out, because frankly, I wanna. Okay. So... My topic, my love for this, our 99th episode, is going to be Olympic weightlifting, which from this point onward, I'm going to refer to by its actual name, which is just weightlifting. Okay. And I am a stickler for that. It's, it's, if you're just picking shit up in a gym, that's lifting weights. What I do is weightlifting. (laughs) Okay. Because I'm a snobby bitch. And Andy, I always like to like to start in with a question. So I'm going to ask you to dig into all of the myriad conversations that you've had with me down to the very topic that we did in our practice episode. And I want you to explain to me <laughs> as best you can with whatever language you have at your disposal, as much or as little, everything you know about my favorite sport, Olympic weightlifting. Oh, God. Okay. And... Keep in mind, 
Everything I know about hockey comes from the Mighty Ducks, so you will not offend me. Fair, and, and I just, I if I sound reluctant at all, it's because I'm sitting there being like, we did have a whole conversation about this. Like four years ago. Like four years ago. <laughs> I can't even say that I wasn't paying attention. I was, but it was four goddamn years ago. Okay. Weightlifting, as I know it, through osmosis of being your friend and being around you, is a sport participated in by a single participant at a time who will lift a set of barbells, the big one, the the big one that you got to pick up with two hands, not dumbbells, barbells. Yeah. um, And will... You know, pick that up in a couple of different ways, but those are technically different categories. The snatch is different from the clean and jerk. You know the movements. You can, like you say, when this is done in a gym, it's usually done like you're lying down or you're picking it up from a machine and like deadlifting that way, which is a way you can tear your rotator cuff. Um, however, when it is done competitively in competition, it is somebody who picks up the barbells from the ground and either brings them about waist high, which I want to say is the deadlift, or will hoist them over their head in one fluid motion and then drop those motherfuckers. Because they are usually hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of pounds. <laughs> it is scored based on form and technique and has different weight classes. And that's... Aside from some stuff I'll throw in as we talk. Like, that's that's what I got. Oh, I appreciate that. You are right about more things than you're wrong about. Hooray! I'll give you that. <laughs> Um, you're right. The snatch and the clean and jerk are the two contested lifts. The deadlift, which you accurately described as lifting the barbell from the ground to your waist, uh, is a contested sport in powerlifting. Oh, yes. Okay, that's right. Or a contested movement in, in the separate sport of powerlifting. Sure. Which is fine. I ain't mad at you. So, um, that's wonderful. I appreciate you letting me dangle you on a line like that. This is maybe the one time I've ever been like, oh, I wish we had notes, but I, <laughs> I think I got through it. No, you, you did fine. So, the sport of weightlifting, again, colloquially understood as Olympic weightlifting by a lot of people because it is a contested sport in, Olymp- in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. However, it is properly known as weightlifting. Sure. You are correct. It is a weight class-based sport in which... One at a time, lifters in a particular meet who are of the same weight class will go declare a particular weight for a particular movement, and then they will walk out to the bar, do that movement. They are not scored on technique, at least not the same way that, like, gymnastics is. Okay. It's that there are judges... And they will judge whether or not the lift was successful per the rules. Okay. So the two movements are called the snatch and the clean and jerk. He thinks dynamic tension must be hard work. 
In the snatch, you are lifting the barbell from the ground up to overhead in one movement. Yes, okay. Yes, you got that right. In the clean and jerk, you will move it overhead in two movements. The first movement is to lift it and bring it to the shoulders. The second movement, and then stand up with it. And then the second movement, you will dip and drive it overhead. So the clean and jerk is two movements, but they're judged together. The judges are there to essentially determine, did you do this within the rules of the sport? So the rules of the sport state things like when you catch it, your arm is not allowed to like bend and rebend. When you're lifting it up, you're not allowed to like kind of lift it up, drop it back down and then hoist it up again. It's got to be an entirely upward motion in that way. So there's technique judged in so much as just making sure that it is a legal lift. Right, you're doing it correctly. Yeah. Um, Most of the time, if people, you know, fuck up a lift, it's because it's literally too heavy and they just drop it. They can't get it all the way overhead. They can't stand it up all the way. Mm -hmm. It falls from them. Um, But those are the two contested lifts. What are you smiling at, motherfucker? Alex, I have a question. Hit me. How is it judged when you attempt to do a lift and then your elbow goes the complete wrong way and you break your fucking arm in half? First of all, that's very rare. But I have seen it. Second of all, that's a miss. Okay. That's good, a miss. Good to know. That person will have missed that lift. One of the only weightlifting things I remember was I I, I want to say it was the, the Summer Olympics that were in Beijing... Um, some, ah, some, yes, I know. The Chinese weightlifter who dislocated her elbow. I thought it was a guy, but but you probably know better than I. The Chinese weightlifter who dislocated their elbow and was, like, weeping in their interview about bringing disgrace and dishonor to China in this Olympic event. Yeah. Chinese weightlifting is a weird monster because chi- in China, weightlifting is a huge sport. Okay. Like, very, very... I'm not going to say it's, like, as big as the big four here, but it is maybe as big as, like, track and field okay. over there. Like, right. it is a huge sport there. Um, yes, that happens very rarely, but it does happen. Gotcha. Uh, when someone is... Usually, if somebody already has a prope- has a previous injury or a pre- propensity for injury, um, and they're just lifting something incredibly heavy that is way beyond them. Okay. Um, weightlifting is actually one of the safest sports to play, mainly because if you're going to get injured playing a sport, most of those sports tend to be ones with a lot of running and twisting. Sure. People right. people mostly get hurt playing soccer or basketball sports where because the most common injuries are like ankle and hamstring injuries Mm. um also there's collision sports which carry injury risks in their own category weightlifting is relatively weightlifting is slightly safer than golf as far as (laughs) injury is concerned i love that okay and that actually provides great context because i've also heard stories of people golfing with like a fiberglass club and they hit the grass at the wrong angle and it explodes in their hands and shards of plastic go shooting into their arms. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Listen, if that were a possibility, I might actually watch golf. (laughs) If like every like 
20th golf swing yeah. and you don't know exactly what it'll be but around every like 20th golf swing it'll just explode sure i would fucking watch golf oh sure blood sport always makes it more interesting jesus christ so the way that you do a weightlifting meet is people declare their weights a lifter will get three attempts at each lift they'll get three snatches then they'll get after all the snatches are done, there's a 10-minute break, and then they do move on to clean and jerks. Everyone gets three attempts at the clean and jerk. Oh, fascinating. Okay, see, I was under the sort of um, misconception, I guess, that you were either a snatcher or a clean and jerker. No, you're snatch. Pretty much everybody clean and jerks more than they snatch. Just the fact that you have to move the barbell a shorter distance. Sure means that everyone pretty much clean and everyone clean and jerks more than they snatch. Okay. But it, and here's the thing, Unt- from 1920 until 1972, there was actually a third left, third lift. There was the clean and press. The difference with a cl- and the clean and press was the first lift. The difference with a clean and press, it was another two-part lift. You cleaned it to the shoulders the same way you do in a clean and jerk, and then you would have to pr- strict press the weight overhead. So you would have to hold your body in place, your knees could not bend, Mm. and you had to, with just the force of your upper body, press it overhead. The difference with a clean and jerk is that you can like bend and kind of explosively drive it up. Sure, right. So the clean and press was dropped after the 72 Olympics because it was too hard to judge. People were like... There was a new technique that was developed with it. This is this is nerdy ass weightlifting history. <laughs> there was a technique that was developed with it where it was moving up kind of more explosively. There was this tremendous lean back that people were doing and it was just so hard to properly judge. There were also some poli- like there are some people who argue there's some politics involved, uh namely because um Americans were very good clean and pressers. The Soviet Union Less so. And there was there's some debate that maybe the Soviet Union greased some palms to remove this lift that Americans were very, very good at during the Cold War. Oh, I would watch an entire documentary about the Cold War implications of weightlifting. Oh. And the, like, power plays and backstabbing and side deals therein. Remind me when I get done with this explainer, like, at the end of this segment... I will talk to you a little bit about the state of weightlifting today and how those old Soviet bloc countries are still kind of fucking it up for everybody. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that is the sport. It's, you do, you, you get your three rounds there and you get your, your three rounds with the snatch, three rounds with the clean and jerk. If anyone here is familiar with track and field events, it's very similar to how discus and javelin are thrown. Like in those in or or the shot put in all of those, it is a you go up into the circle and you get three shots to throw this implement a certain way. Sure. So it's very similar to that. At the end of the meet, the winner, quote unquote, is the person whose highest green light snatch at, combined with their highest green light clean and jerk is the highest total. Okay. And that is the winner. In the Olympics, they've got gold, silver, bronze. In the actual, like, world championships, um, you can actually medal in each of, in the total, as well as each of the lifts. You can't do that at the Olympics, but but that's how you determine the winner. 
It's got weight classes just like boxing or wrestling do. So you can have everything from like 49 kilo women. And all of weightlifting is done in kilos, by the way. But you can have like a 49 kilo wo uh, women's category, which is like a little over 100 pounds, all the way to the um, super heavyweight men's category, which is dudes who are well in excess of like, 240 pounds in some cases they're pushing 300 pounds if they're super heavies okay so there's and, and you just have these blocks of categories in between the idea essentially being the heavier you are the heavier the weight you're gonna lift therefore it's more fair to group people of similar weights yeah that makes sense yeah yeah there's so let me ask you this uh, internationally i understand how this could be competitively ranked your teams are of course your countries mm -hmm. how does it work nationally what is the american weightlifting competitive scene is it individuals is it city-based is it program-based sure and that's a very good question so it's it's actually funny because you get a people do compete as individuals they do there's no such thing as team weightlifting but what you do have is what's kind of what, what this has died in a lot of ways it mostly now exists in adult sports leagues but it's club based okay. in a lot of ways so my favorite american weightlifting team is catalyst athletics they're based out of oregon and they're my favorite because frankly their head coaches are people who put out great content about weightlifting that i really really enjoy but so they have an umbrella of lifters who are coached by this staff. Now, each of those lifters lift for themselves. They represent okay. themselves. Okay. But if one of their people, like, okay, uh, as of the time that we're recording this, we just finished having um, weightlifting world championships in Bogota, Colombia. And... A representative from Catalyst Athletics, a woman named Maddie Rogers, who is actually from Altamont Springs, Florida, went to UCF. Oh shit! Yeah, right. she's she's fucking dope. She just she just medaled there, and she so she is with Team USA at Bogota. Mm. She is the I, I want to say she's a I don't remember her weight class. I, I apologize for that. I want to say she's in the 60-something kilo class, maybe the 71 kilo class. But she is the USA representative in that weight class. Okay. But her coach is uh, Amy Anaya Everett, who is of Catalyst Athletics. And they she represents that club, that team. So it's, 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 it's club-based. Now, the funny thing is, you will also randomly get other people who aren't who aren't part of teams. They're just on their own. There's a there's an American who uh, I think he uh, until very recently he wasn't on any teams. He was coached by his father. His name was Harrison Morris, and he's he's a really solid like national weightlifter in the U.S. I think he went to Worlds like last year, um, but until very he recently joined a team. But until very recently, he was coached by his father. He was just like a dude who lifted on his own, wasn't part of any group or any anything like that. He just went on his own. Okay. 
So in in the U.S., the thing is, weightlifting is not a very popular sport. It's like we have collegiate nationals, for example, but there aren't a lot of colleges that have weightlifting programs. So what you inevitably get are people who go to a college but are part of a weightlifting team or a weightlifting club. Yeah. I recall randomly we were talking about LSU, Louisiana State. LSU is one of the two universities in the country that have a weightlifting program. The other one is Lenore Rhine. In Hickory, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Literally like an hour and a half away from us. Nice. Okay. I, I, I have asked Stephanie on a few occasions, like, hey, would it be cool if, like, whenever, like, collegiate nationals happen, if I could go to Lenore Ryan and, like, oh. would you want to come with me to Hickory? She's like, I don't want to go to fucking Hickory. <laughs> You're welcome to go. I'm not going to be offended by that. But, like, I don't want to go to Hickory. Take take Andy or Mo or something. I don't want to go. You know what? I I would love to go watch a collegiate meet with you. I I appreciate that. that you uh, are just just you in the audience, just fist pumping at, at moments where I have no context for what's going on. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the funny thing about weightlifting is it's not a spectator sport. And it's funny because I consume shitloads of weightlifting content and there's all these people who are like, here are all these ways that we could make weightlifting more of a spectator sport. And it's like, it's never going to be, yo. Like, I I will sit and watch a weightlifting meet on YouTube and there are years of them available. But what you're effectively watching is people going up and lifting a weight. Now, if if you are in the know about what's happening... There are occasionally really interesting moments of drama. Sure. Because you could get a thing where, especially towards the latter parts of the meet, you can get these really interesting, like, one-on-one matches where, like, somebody somebody hits a clean and jerk that puts them in first place and somebody else is like, okay, I got to beat them. I got to, so I'm going to change my next, I'm going to change my attempt to something higher than them. And they'll do this back and forth on one another. And Lord help if somebody misses, because if they miss, they get another shot, assuming they haven't used all three of their attempts. But there there can be a really interesting drama there. But you're not really going to get that watching it in the audience. No. But if so you don't know what's going on. That does kind of lead me to, like, my, my hypothesis of, of what, like would be the way to make this a more accessible thing, make this a more spectator-friendly sport. And I'd like to do something here. Like I said, through osmosis of you and and just here and there throughout life, I have a very limited knowledge of a few select weightlifters. Mm -hmm. A few select weightlifters. Okay. And I would like to just run a few names by you and, and get like... Get the quick bio. You're you're color commentating at like worlds. They've selected you for being like. Oh, I'm fucking terrified. But okay, the, the go pre-eminent. ahead. Go ahead. Well, these are names I know, so I'm sure you'll be able to speak to them at least. One can only hope. Talk to me about Half Thor Bjornsson. Half Thor Bjornsson is not an Olympic weightlifter. Half Thor Bjornsson is a strongman. 
Okay. Strongman is a separate strength sport. Okay, okay, okay. That's that's one. That's an X for me. That's on me. It even okay. says on on Google. I just listed him because I know for a minute he was like virally popular for playing uh, a role in Game of Thrones. So there's an interesting thing that, um, and, I, and I'll touch on this briefly. I just saw a video uh, not that long ago where someone was making an argument about how do you really determine who the strongest person in the world is? Mm-hmm. Because according to strongman com- competitions, Hafthor Bjornsson currently has the title of strongest man in the world. Mm-hmm. But if you look at strongman competitions, a lot of them have to do with things like carrying heavy implements long distances. They have to do with like doing a really heavy deadlift or dragging something heavy. Weightlifting is not going to be the same thing. The strongest weightlifter in the world is a man named Lasha Talakatsi from the country of Georgia. And Lasha has been breaking world records, and he's a super heavyweight. Okay. He is built like a strong man. Like, he is he is not a small man. He is, like, 6'6". He's, like, well over 300 pounds of, like, just ridiculous muscle. And people are arguing here, okay, Hafthor Bjornsson could not snatch and clean and jerk what Lasha does. But Lasha, with the right training, could probably do what Hafthor Bjornsson does, just based off of genetics and, let's be honest, steroids. Interesting. Okay. All right. There's somebody whose name I don't know, but you were talking to me. Talk to me about the Filipino gentleman who recently competed at Worlds. Oh, uh, I think he was Indonesian. Indonesian, but, my apologies. But the Ind- what was his name? He's he's a dude who I literally hadn't. Yeah. Okay. So the guy's name, I and I and I swear to you, I had never seen this guy before. I he was not on my radar at all. Okay. But there's an Indonesian weightlifter who at the World Championships in Bogota. His name is Iko Yuli Irawan. He's in the 61 kilo class. And here's the thing. He was in the B session. What you sometimes get with, especially with the really popular weight classes, and let's be honest, the popular weight classes are the ones in the middle. The ones that like are normal people sized, not the very tiniest, not the very biggest. So he's in the 61 kilo class, which um, 61 kilos in pounds, that would be around... 135 pounds, something like that. So that's about this guy's weight. He's a smaller but athletic dude. Sure. Um, And he was in the B session. So in these um, heavy, heavy weight classes that are filled with people, sometimes they'll split them into A and B sessions because countries that maybe aren't sending tons of lifters might definitely be sending people in those popular weight classes. So... If a, if a meet normally is 10 lifters, but they have 18 competitors, they'll split them into an A and a B session. And the B sessions tend to be the people who aren't normally as good. Sure. Let's, makes makes yeah. sense. Yeah, we'll, we'll just be honest. They're the people who, when they're submitting their entry totals, when, they're, um, when you're looking at the competitions that they did to qualify for the big meet, they're the ones who, the people in the B session are the ones on the lower end of that. So this dude was in the B session, and he broke a fucking world record clean and jerk. Hulk is strongest ever! Which, like, 
this, this is the most compelling weightlifting thing I've ever heard mention. Like, since somebody broke their, dislocated their arm at the Olympics and, and was horribly injured in front of millions of people, like... Oh, I'm so sorry. I got the, I, I got the wrong lifter. Oh, um, no. No. Um... The actual lifter is, oh, fuck. He was a 73 kilo lifter, so a little bit bigger. Indonesian Rama Irwin. Okay, Rama Irwin. Ramat Irwin lifted a 200 kilogram clean and jerk. Now, to be clear, 200 kilograms is 440 pounds. This motherfucker is 73 kilos. Which is, I'm going to just do this math real quick. He's 160 pounds and he lifted 440 pounds overhead. And he was in the B session. Broke a world record unexpected. No one expected this. That's cool. That's interesting. That's exciting to me. Yeah. And that kind of, it's not that that kind of shit happens all of the time. But it is so come from behind. It is so... Okay, not the Arizona Coyotes, but name me a pretty shitty hockey team. The Ottawa Senators. Okay, imagine if the Ottawa Senators, like, come from behind, were doing fine, and then suddenly just win exactly the amount that they need to somehow make it into the finals. Okay. All right. Like exactly what they need. Perfect. I, I I appreciate you comparing apples to my oranges. Yeah, it's 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 fucking insane that this guy did this. And and I I watched this. I like I watched the highlights of this and I'm sitting here going like I don't know who this guy is and he now has the world record. Mm. And I'm not someone who memorizes all of the world records for all of the weight classes. I'm not. I'm but I am fairly familiar with most of the lifters who have the current world records. Sure. Most of them are Chinese. Or uh, Russian. Yeah, fair. Or Bulgarian. Like, but that's, but it's, it's, it, it, it was a fucking mind blowing moment. And for now me. you have a new, like, celebrity sports figure to, to have interest in. I, I'm very, I, I'm going to follow this dude's career from here on out because I'm sitting here going, like, I didn't know who he was. Indonesia is not a big weightlifting country. Sure. And he just, like, blew everyone away. Fascinating. So unexpected. I love it. Okay. All right. One you might not be familiar with, but maybe you are. Um, can you speak to weightlifting Tinkerbell, a.k.a. Sarah Wright? Sarah or, Wright I am vaguely familiar with. Sarah Wright is, uh, I want to say she's a 49 kilo. Or Samantha Wright, sorry. Samantha Wright? Samantha Wright, weightlifting Tinkerbell. Hmm. This I've a, heard that name before. This is a, a woman who went viral a few years ago for being a, a weightlifter. Not a powerlifter, a weightlifter. Yeah. But is like... For lack of just the, the the most effective descriptor, like really cute. Yeah, she's a she, she's a Team USA lifter. Um, she's I want to say she's in the forty nine kilo class, uh, maybe the fifty threes. I don't recall, but she is an incredibly tiny human being who um, outlifts me. 
Sure. <laughs> like, whips the shit out of me on all of this stuff. She is the person who I would expect is most likely that a, a random person on the street might know, again, just because of the viral... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I remember the, the tiny woman who, like was incredibly strong that's yeah. a thing no that's a that is absolutely a thing and you want to know something um while we're on the subject there women's weightlifting is where the most for me is where most of the excitement in the sport is right now okay so women were not allowed to compete in weightlifting until the late 80s and they didn't actually get to compete at the olympics until the year 2000 Huh. Weightlifting as an Olympic sport has been around since the beginning of the Olympics. It's morphed a little bit. Like I said, in 72, they changed and they dropped an entire lift. Right. But women were not lifting at the Olympics until 2000. The earliest time that there was a women's category was 1987. I don't think women were at world championships until like 96 or 97. Okay. Women's weightlifting is incredibly new by comparison. And we are consistently seeing that with women's weightlifting, we still do not know what to expect. People are still out here killing fucking records. Just, just, just. Men's weightlifting is tainted a lot by the 80s. Mm. The reason for that is steroids. Sure. Because until we were properly testing for steroids, the entire Eastern Bloc was fucking demolishing them. And Americans were too. For those of you who don't know, um, Diana Ball, the like first really injectable steroid, was actually invented in York, Pennsylvania, and it was tested on the York Barbell team <laughs> in the 1960s. Okay, like right. that is that is a thing, but the drug culture that was in those Eastern European blocks, and frankly, still permeates to this day. Arguably the most famous international weightlifter in the world is a Chinese man named Lu Zhaojun. And Lu was just popped for performance-enhancing drugs. Okay. Like, last week, as as of the time that we're recording this. There's no chance the Chinese teams are not doped out of their hell. There's no chance Lasha, again, the strongest weightlifter in the world, was not has not been doped out of his mind. He was popped for drugs when he was a junior lifter. Okay. And the IWF rules, the International Weightlifting Federation, their rules are if you're popped twice, you're banned. Mm. So we'll see what ends up happening with a lot of those people. But men, but but all this to say, men's weightlifting is really tainted by the drugs. That's why they shifted the weight classes around, tried to create new um tried to create new world records for everything. Women's weightlifting does not have the same problem. It's not that women don't take take the drugs. Absolutely, women have been popped for taking the drugs. Mm. But seeing the advancement of women in this sport, you're constantly seeing new, incredible shit happening. Okay, with that, the last person I want to ask you about is somebody who I actually remember from our practice episode. Talk to me about Sarah Robles. Robles. Sarah Robles is uh, out of Tim Sword's gym out in Texas. Sarah Robles is a Mexican-American woman who was born and raised in Texas. She's a super heavyweight. She is arguably the best American weightlifter lifting right now. She has competed in Olymp- in the Olympics since I believe 20... I believe 2016 was her first Olympics. Maybe 2012. 
She is getting, she's probably getting towards the end of her career, I'll be honest, but it's been a decorated career. She is um, possibly, she, she is the first American Olympic weightlifting medalist that we have had since I think the 80s. Hell yeah. Okay. And she is, she's a great Instagram follow because she'll regularly post shit about how she's like struggles on Tinder because she, you know, she is, I mean, she is a larger woman and she is an incredibly strong woman. Sure. And she's just like, man, men ain't, men really ain't shit, are they? (laughs) Everybody's intimidated of the like woman who can bench them bench three of them easily yeah but she's she's a fantastic weightlifter i i also um something that really ingratiated me to sarah robles um was i i I imagine a number of you probably heard the controversy that happened at this last olympics that um we had laurel hubbard the first transgender athlete Mm. competing at the olympics And Laurel Hubbard was a New Zealand weightlifter, and she competed in the women's super heavyweight class. Mm -hmm. And before the Olympics, there was this god-awful shit that would be talked about about Laurel Hubbard and how she was stealing these places from quote-unquote real women and just the most disgusting stuff. Sarah Robles competed in that weight class with Laurel Hubbard. Sarah Robles beat Laurel Hubbard in at world championships when Laurel Hubbard returned to weightlifting. Interesting. Okay. And, and it was interesting because a lot of people kept coming up to Sarah Robles and they were like, how did it feel competing against that man and this, that, and it's so good that you won. And Sarah Robles was always just like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not interested in talking to you. Like, I'm not interested in commenting on that. I won a competition against my competitor. It is as simple as that. And my competitor is a valid competitor. She never said a lot about it, mm. but it was always very clear. She was like, "I am. I refuse to condemn this person. I refuse to play into the horse shit that is surrounding Laurel Hubbard." And you know what? Laurel Hubbard got last place in that Olympics. Mm. Laurel Hubbard completely bombed out at that Olympics. And I still think about the fact that all those people who were talking about how Laurel Hubbard was taking all of this space away from quote unquote real women, none of them talk about how Laurel Hubbard actually did at that Olympics. Mm. Because they don't actually care about weightlifting. Sure. They just cared about being transphobic pieces of shit. Sure. Right on for Sarah for not feeding into that. Just. Two things as as I've looked her up, I you you kind of hinted at it, but I wanna I didn't realize this. She won gold at the twenty two Pan American Weightlifting Championships. So yeah. statistically, for the moment, strongest woman in the world, strongest woman in the U.S. Strongest woman in the U.S. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Lee Wen Wen is the strongest woman in the world, and okay. that's the Chinese lifter who kicked the shit out of Sarah Robles in international competition. Okay, never. Fair. Never discount how much Chinese people <laughs> fucking kill at weightlifting. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. 
And something I, I would never have known, except it's listed right under that other fact. Sarah has a deformity in her arm known as Maidelung's deformity, which results in the radius of it being shorter than normal and bowed. This leads to significant pain during lifts. Yep. So Sarah Robles does badass. everything Sarah Robles does while having excruciating pain inflicted that her competition doesn't. Yep. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> that is badass. Oh, uh, Andrew, I love this sport. I know you I, do. I know we're closing things down. Um, you know, there are other strength sports that I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with powerlifting. It's a it's a fine sport. The squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. I'm familiar with strongmen. I'm familiar with Highland Games. I've gone and seen them a couple of times. Sure. Um, there's there's shit like strength lifting, arm lifting, all the, all this other stuff that I think is super valid, but. I fell in love with Olympic weightlifting and I fell in love with it largely because I, when I started lifting weights, I started off doing what's doing an exercise called the power clean as part of the first program I did. And a power clean is a very simplified version of the first half of the clean and jerk. Mm -hmm. It's most commonly used by athletes. A lot of hockey players, you can probably see video of them doing power cleans in yeah. their training. It's it's a great way to train explosiveness. I loved doing power cleans. I learned to do power snatches. And over the course of me just going, all right, I like doing all of these barbell lifts. I like lifting barbells in general, but I really love these explosive lifts. Let me learn more about them. Mm. In the course of learning about these lifts, I fell in love with them. I don't compete in weightlifting. I don't. I don't own a singlet. I don't, uh, I have weightlifting shoes, but I don't, I, I'm not part of a club. I, mm. I, I go to a commercial gym that happens to have bumper plates, which are the rubber kind of plates that you can drop from overhead that are required for weightlifting. Mm -hmm. And I just go and I lift my shit and I consume the weightlifting content. I follow teams. I follow lifters. I follow this sport and Soccer never clicked for me. I tried. I played midfielder in like some pickup and a lot of mid in a lot of pickup games. Oh, um, yeah, mostly because when you're a midfielder, you get to fuck people up. Um, <laughs> I I hated football. I never understood the appeal of football. It always seemed very boring. Baseball always seemed boring. Hockey never jived with me. Team sports, <laughs> team sports, I didn't get. Uh, individual sports, a lot of those I didn't get, but something about this weird little niche sport that nobody cares about except every four years, this funky little underdog sport that's been around for 120 years, I just connected with it. And it's two movements, you know? You do some ancillary stuff around it, but... It's two movements that fell out of favor and fashion a very long time ago. And I just love it. I just find myself, like, I can talk about it all day. I can learn about it all day. I can learn more about the lifters. I follow a shitload of them on Instagram. I feel self-conscious ever asking anyone. Like, Stephanie has sat with me and watched a weightlifting meet on YouTube before. And... We did that once, and she was so sweet and supportive, and has since told me that she would be happy to watch it again, watch another one. 
And I feel self-conscious about it because I know it's it's nobody else is getting the same thing out of it that I am. Sure. But I get something out of this. And, and it's funny because the only people who ever seem to really understand this uh, are when I talk to other when I talk to like track and field people or people who've done gymnastics, people who've done other Olympic sports that nobody gives a shit about except once every four years. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, no, I follow the like annual championships for gymnastics or I follow the annual championships for track and field, the things that are in between the Olympics. And I go, you get it. You understand where I'm coming from on this. Sure, right. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about this weird niche little sport that I am in love with, that I practice, albeit non-competitively, because it's the only sport that I've ever enjoyed. Weirdly, I grew up in Florida, which is the only state where weightlifting is a varsity sport, but I never did weightlifting in high school. I didn't discover weightlifting until I was in my 20s. And I love it. And I, I'm i going to follow it. And I'm going to, hopefully, if I have my way, keep doing it well into my elderly years. Who knows? Maybe at some point, like, when you're over 35, you can compete in the Masters. And maybe maybe that's what will actually get my ass in a singlet and on a platform. <laughs> Just sure. Like, can I compete against a bunch of elderly people? Who the fuck knows? But... I love it, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it here. Of course and always. Your passion is delightful, and I appreciate hearing about something. I appreciate whenever this comes up because I see through you. You're right. I don't see what – if I were to watch this, I wouldn't see the thing that you see, but I see that through you, Mm. and that is – Wonderful. So thank you. Of course. Shall we move on to some fuckery? Some fuckery indeed. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, our hate topic, my hate topic, this episode is AI-generated art, which at time of recording for the past like six-ish months or so has really become like a bit of a bear on the internet circles that I follow. So my question for you, Alex, I know that you, you will like take five months off TikTok and bless you for it. Yeah. And just take these large breaks. So are you familiar with the latest TikTok trend about turning yourself into an anime drawing? Um, I'll be honest. I didn't think that was new. I feel like I remember there being a filter on TikTok a while ago where it would like snap a photo and turn you into like an anime thing or like you could give yourself anime eyes or something like that. There was. You could give yourself an anime face. It would, it was a filter that would overlay and give you like, and give you like an anime face. Yeah. There was a new thing that is the latest hot shit on TikTok at time of recording, which means by the time you're hearing this, it was three trends ago. But you would take a photo of yourself, a little loading bar would go around, and then the entire picture would change into something completely different. Usually a big titty anime girl with cat ears, but not always. <laughs> and like the, the difference being it wasn't just your face changing, it was you take a picture... And, like, people were taking a picture of their fists so that their knuckles would turn into, like, giant anime titties. And this kind of 
highlighted a lot of backlash for me and for other people online because this is an instance of AI-generated art. Mm. It is a program scanning a picture of you and like in a second just kind of creating a picture of a thing. And some of them are beautiful and lovely and some of them are like really weird. But the point is like this happens too fast for it to possibly be something that a human is creating or even something that like a human created and a computer like finds the image that is most like it. No, this is something being wholly created in the moment. Bam. And so AI art has been around since the 90s. Really? Yes. Okay. AI art has been around for almost as long as we have been doing computers as like a thing, as a as a household thing. AI art. AI generated art. Okay, go on. It didn't proliferate in the way where it's become the problem that it is and that I'm talking about today until like I think people talked about it like a year or two ago there was this wave of it but then really like in the last six months of 2022 it really started to like become a thing technology finally caught up to a place where like it's not some weird computer at the University of Pittsburgh that is technically drawing something, and technically that's AI art. Can a robot write a symphony? Can a robot turn a canvas into a beautiful masterpiece? Can you? It is programs that people can download and then create art based off of feeding it lots and lots of real life images and it it plops out a thing that is like yes this is like what you what you showed me i have copied the thing and this bothers me for so many reasons go on this bothers so many people for so many reasons but like at its core concept ai art Frightens me for the creatives. Hmm. I'm going to go straight to the core of it here. And, you know, there I, I am not an artist. I am not an artist. My, my medium of choice is painting models, which does require artistry. But I, I would not call myself an artist. I, I am not a drawer. I do hmm. not draw stuff. Okay. My wife does. My wife is brilliantly talented. And my wife has gotten that talent through working through like the past 10 years really since high school even longer than 10 years really since high school drawing like you know crappy little high school anime eyed girls and has consistently drawn on and off ever since then and now creates like beautiful drawings just kind of in 20 minutes or less stuff that blows me away mm-hmm. And the key there is the practice, the the talent, the the repetition, the craft. 
Drawing is a skill. Artistry is a skill. It is something that you have to hone. It is something that you might have a little bit more of a knack from. You might, your brain might be formed in a way that like makes it easier to come up with creating something wonderful and draw something amazing easier than most. And AI art completely undermines that undermines, undercuts, and steals attention and money from actual artists. Mm -hmm. And we've seen, through the lens I'm more comfortable with, through the lens of film, the people who pay money for things, the David Zaslavs of the world, don't actually give a shit about the art. Sure. They give a shit about the bottom line. So you want to talk about how somebody can go... Well, I can pay this boatload of animators to, like, do a thing. Or I can pay one guy to, like, copy, save all of these different works of art from the internet and feed it into an algorithm. And then the algorithm will give me the same amount of time. Well, I'm just going to pay the one guy. Hmm. It's cheaper. It's fine. Who gives a shit? Interesting. Now... I'm not disagreeing with you, but I am interested in complicating this. Okay. We already weren't paying the artists. <laughs> it is a fucking meme at this point. The and I know it was a Twitter account, but it was I think it was called um, like for the exposure. Yeah, sure. But it was literally just like and, and I used to follow this. This was a Twitter account that was. Um, largely artists, but often writers, often filmmakers, just any kind of creative, um, they would send screenshots to this Twitter account and it would be screenshots of email or text exchanges they would have with people who would basically be like asking to commission them for shit. And then, F, and then, like, as soon as they hear, like, okay, uh, I would love for you to be able to create this poster for my independent movie. Okay, um, can you send me the details? Also, here are my rates. And then they go, well, uh, I actually don't have it in the budget to pay you, but it would be incredible exposure. This is uh, getting submitted to Sundance, and I have a really good in there, and it'll almost certainly get up there. And it's just like... It would just be screenshots like that over and over and over and over and over again. Sure, and that's a very good point. Absolutely. I hear that and I think, okay, it was already broke. So instead of fixing it, we're breaking it more. Like, that's what's happening right now. That's my... In America? That's my response to that. And it's it's not even just that example. You know, I kind of yeah. got ahead of myself. But, like, for the longest time, we just had... People straight up stealing artwork, you know, yeah. straight up copy pasting and digitally like scratch off the watermark and then say that something is their own. Yeah. It's not just drawing. It's it's comedy. It's music. It's everything. It's it's already a really cutthroat, really unfair, really you need all the talent in the world and you need even more luck if you're going to like make any sort of money off of this thing industry yeah and then like we finally got to a place where people were figuring out oh i can make a patreon oh i can i can get something for commission 
You know, I can I can do my art in this way and I can make this money. It's not what I'm worth and I'm getting it stolen from me left and right, but I can make this money. Well, and I've I've said this on the podcast before, I think. Like there's n- like this is a this is not a good time to get rich based off of your art and your creative endeavors. But there has never been a better time for you to have a stable living from your creative endeavors. Sure. Like there has never been a time in human history where more people have the avenues available to them to just make a decent living as a creative. You're not going to be rich. You're not going to, you know, only work four hours a week. You're not going to do any of that stuff. But you could probably work the 40 to 60 hours that people are generally working in office jobs as a creative and, you know, be able to afford roughly the same kind of living you had in that shitty office job. Right. To that point, in 2018, an AI-generated painting was sold at auction for half a million dollars. Okay. We cannot use the art market as a metric for anything. <laughs> it is famously a world of scamming and money laundering. You know what? That's that's fine. That's fair. That's fair. But I get I do understand the point there. I just I maybe this is me being old man shaking fist at cloud. But when I think of AI-generated art, like, I saw the shit where people were uploading, like, photos of themselves, and it would AI-digitize them in some way. Yeah. And they were posting them on Facebook. Or they would... What was that fucking thing where people would type in, like, sig prompts and an AI and an AI would make them for them? Yeah, that's, like, that's what kind of really kicked this off, is an open-source thing that you can download and... And type in the right sequence of words and you get this objectively beautiful painting of like the sun and an angel with a sword made out of fire is jumping out of it. And there's a fucking dragon at the bottom or... See now, I remember hanging out with your wife and she handed me her phone with this app on it. It was like type in something and I, I think I typed in something like Super Mario shitting out frogs or something like that. And it gave me something that... Was Super Mario and Frogs, but there was no shitting, thank you. Uh, and we've spent the last six months teaching the the computer how to do the thing. How to how to make Mario shitting out frogs? How to make Mario shitting out frogs? And I, <laughs> go ahead. But I just, I I played with this one evening, again with a phone that wasn't even mine, and then just kind of went, okay, that was fun for seven minutes. Here's your phone back. I'm on to the next thing. I, I, why do people give a shit, Andy? Because it's not good art. It, it, well, no, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't good art. It wasn't good art until now. It was like a, it, it was becoming a meme that the one thing AI couldn't do was draw a hand correctly. It would always fuck up the fingers and like sure. give them seven and they're pointing different ways. And now, finally, like, the the anime filter on TikTok 
is kind of a really good example of this. Like, yeah, some of them still look weird. Some of them look absolutely incredible. There's a guy who won a, an art contest in Colorado, the Colorado State Fair. He submitted an AI-generated drawing, which is this, like, beautiful painting of an opera and like you see singers and there's this giant sun thing and this dude won 300 bucks in first place and people were calling it out once the dude was clear that it was an ai generated drawing he you know he was very open about it because there wasn't anything in the rules against using ai generated art so he's like i didn't do anything wrong i didn't break any rules bureaucrat conrad you are technically correct the best kind of correct. And effectively stole 300 bucks and some clout from somebody who actually painted a goddamn thing. It bothers me to no end to see these creatives, whether they're getting, whether, whether they're trying to make it their livelihood or not, getting totally robbed and having their stuff stolen. That's the bigger, that's the biggest thing is, is AI art, only works if you feed it enough other content. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was a famous debacle recently that DeviantArt, that site that we would all go to in high school and look up like weird Sonic the Hedgehog fan art and shit. DeviantArt posted a thing and, and all of the people who still had DeviantArt accounts had to either accept this or leave the platform where DeviantArt was doing an open sharing with some AI generation thing or other other. So if you had art on DeviantArt six months ago, you basically signed an agreement. If you wanted to keep your DeviantArt profile that you were giving away your IP your intellectual property to feed the algorithm. Mm. It just, it just fucking bums me out. It just sucks. And it, like the 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 thing I can point to that creates an even bigger worry is the fact that so many of these AI art apps or filters or what have you are absolutely being used in some sort of like face scanning thing. The TikTok one certainly, where it's oh, yeah. scan your face and it'll make you a thing. And it, oh, by the way, it'll help the face recognition software. Yeah. You know, it's it's scanned this picture of a dog and now we know how to draw a dog a little better. And pretty soon it's just pretty soon we're going to have a fucking Warner Brothers movie that is going to be like Pixar or something or like 2D animation. And it's going to be the first AI generated feature film and it's going to have a lot of buzz because of that. And then whether it's good or not, people are going to go to it. And some executive is going to go, we made so much money. We made the most money since any film we've made since the end of COVID. Or a fucking comic book. Or a TV show. Can I offer you a piece of hope, though? Sure. So, I hear all of this. And I think a lot about... I think a lot about how in most art forms, you never have a singular trend because there's always 
an other side rejection of it. Uh, the easiest example I can use, of course, is music. Mm -hmm. So when you have a period of we have professional songwriters who are giving generic songs to people that we're hiring specifically because they're attractive and that is the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Inevitably, at the same time that you have that, you always have a separate underground rejection of that. When it was the 60s and the Brill building, the underground rejection of that was the Haight-Ashbury 60s psychedelic sound mm -hmm. coming out of San Francisco. When you had that in the 80s, and it was weirdly manufactured generic synth rock or synth synth pop, you had the hardcore punk scene coming up underneath that and the thrash metal scene. Mm. When you had 90s boy bands and pop acts, you had grunge and fucking industrial metal. Like, there is always a rejection happening at the same time. I think about something like AI art. And what it honestly makes me think of, and this is always one of my favorite comparisons when it comes to shitty art, I think of TJ Maxx art. I think of Ross art. Sure. You ever been in a Ross and you go to that spot, that, that like line of shelves that are always to the right or the left of the bathroom? Or the changing room, yeah. And it's right. just the most fucking generic doctor's office art you've ever seen. Yeah, it's the kind of shit that a hotel will buy to just pad their rooms. Exactly. That has always sold. That has always sold because there is always... And, and I guarantee you, that sells more than legitimate copies of art from more interesting artists. Mm. And I would probably argue that on a per capita basis, at least nationwide, it probably sells more than local artists make in that same community. That Ross sells more of those shitty generic paintings than the artists who are there at the flea market Every fucking week. Oh, yeah. Indefinitely. Selling the shit that they make. Indubitably. And I say that as someone who prides myself on going to, like, farmer's markets or flea markets and trying to look at the local art and be like, is there something here that gels with me? That Ross is always going to sell more. You're going to see that shit art hanging in the doctor's office, hanging in the hotel room. But when you go to your friends' houses, when you go to interesting places, you will also see the rejections of that. You'll see the shit that's made. This is not me saying, don't worry about AI art. Fucking don't support AI art. Right. Don't use those goddamn filters. Don't buy any of that kind of thing. Don't go to Ross and buy your art. Please. Go sure. find a local artist who's doing interesting... Do you like happy trees and sailboats? Because I guarantee you, there is a 67-year-old woman who is working out of a studio in the downtown of your town who is selling those. And they're... The most beautiful sailboats you've ever seen. And they're fucking hand-done, and that's, that shit is actually going to support a real living person, not a generic motherfucker, 
at Ross. Like, don't buy the Ross art. And I fully encourage all of that. Of uh, I encourage that with all of you. Sure. And generic shitty art has always existed. And now you're telling me that there is a way that a corporate a, a new way that a corporation has found to generate even more generic and shitty art. And that there are going to be people who are going to go buy that generic and shitty art. But are those people who are going to buy that AI art, are they the people who are going to go shop at Ross for their art? Or were they the people who were going to go and seek out their local artists? I mean, probably the former. My worry is some of the latter. It, 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 is, it is equally generic, but it is not getting so shitty. It is, it is improving in quality. I, I hear your message. Oh, those, that, those Ross paintings are, are very high quality. <laughs> They're just boring and stupid. I hear your message of hope, and I'm, I'm going to cling to it. I'm going to cling to stuff like there's a, a Twitter exchange that warmed my heart. There's an artist named Tom Moore. He's an Irish artist. He's done a lot of animation for Irish car, uh, animated films that are really beautiful. Stuff like Secret of Kells and Wolf Walkers, if, if those titles mean anything to anybody. There was somebody who was like posting a question on Twitter being like, the artist I most want to emulate in my software is Tom Moore, but I don't know what to put into references style. Does anybody know what I can type in? Does anyone know what I can do to get some Tom Moore art? And Tom Moore responded to him on Twitter saying you could learn to draw. Boom! Oh, that made me happy. <sighs> and I suppose that kind of stuff is what I'm going to have to take. Shall we move to the question? I am totally down. All right. You read the format, Alex, so I'm going to go ahead and read the question. Go for um, it. This came to us from our friends at Am I the Asshole? And ringing in our 99th episode with another question that is worthy of an apology to your mother. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mrs. Ruiz. <laughs> we are being asked, am I the asshole for using my wife's $400 hair dryer on my nards? I want it stated. You picked this question. I sure did. So we have a 35-year-old male. His wife is 32. She bought herself this awesome hair dryer from Dyson last month and paid over $400 for it. It's easily the coolest hair dryer I've ever seen. It's silver and purple and has this really cool design. It reminds me of the plasma rifle from Halo. Jesus shit. Super quiet as well. You can dry your hair in stealth mode. I was so impressed by this dryer that I asked my wife if I could use it too. She said I could use whatever I wanted, and it was good that I used it to get our money's worth. I started using it every morning after my shower to dry my hair instead of a towel and air drying like I used to do. I have short hair, so it only took about a minute. Still, I felt like I wasn't getting much use of it, so I started experimenting. I tried drying my armpits, which makes applying deodorant nicer, and I started drying down below. Side note, 100% do recommend... Without going into much detail, it just feels a lot more hygienic through the day. This morning, my wife walked into the bathroom after my shower and saw something she perhaps was not meant to see. For the record, I did not intend for her to come in, but I didn't have the door locked. I had one foot on the floor, one foot on the counter, hair dryer in hand, pointing towards Venus and Earth. Is that what he named his balls? Apparently. Jesus like shit. I've never heard that euphemism, but yes, readers for context, he is pointing a hair dryer at his testicles. Does that mean his 
dick is Mercury the smallest planet? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I may also have been humming the Halo theme. Uh, my wife had a little bit of a freak out and was like, what are you doing? I stopped and reminded her that she said I could use the dryer whenever I wanted. She countered with saying that she did not intend for me to use it that way. So I'm not sure if my wife has a point here. I definitely did not explicitly state how I was going to use the hair dryer, but there was no conversation of limitations beforehand. Am I the asshole? So, I have a name for this person. Yeah, you told me the second I read the title, you had a name for this person. Do you remember the beginning of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle? When I, I truly don't. So there is a scene where Cal Penn, who we must, we must state at this point, worked for the Barack Obama administration. Indeed. Um, there's a scene where Cal Penn uh, is clipping his balls... With a set of, like, little tiny scissors. Oh, okay. okay. And Harold walks in and is like, are those the scissors I used to clip my nose hairs? And he's like, yeah, they totally make your Johnson look bigger. <laughs> look. <laughs> and you do not see Cal Penn's penis. Sure. But, but it, it is implied that it now looks bigger. So I'm, I, I, I will state up here, I would like to submit that our question asker is Kumar. Okay. And our uh, and his wife is Harold. I'm not mad at this. Looks like you guys had some night, huh? <laughs> I want 30 sliders, five french fries, and four large cherry Cokes. I want the same, except make mine diet Cokes. Chuck. Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle is a bad movie, but I remember it fondly. Yeah, no, it... it, it had its place in the <laughs> zeitgeist once upon a time. Okay, so so Kumar and gender-bent wife Harold. Indeed. I like this. Okay. okay. Shall I start? Please, go ahead. So are you the asshole for using the hair dryer in this way? It's, you know what? It is a legitimate question. Because y'all did not have a particular conversation about how it's being used. Indeed. Unlike the actual Harold and Kumar, you have not taken something of hers without any notification and begun using it on your junk. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not terribly prudish. I'm not sitting here... I, I'm sitting here assuming that you're not, like, touching your junk with this hairdryer. Right. One would assume that would be painful. Yeah, so that's so it's not like it's horrendously unhygienic. It is a little bit weird. I would understand your wife feeling a little weird about it, especially because it's a four hundred dollar hairdryer. Like I I will use my standard metric. I have guitars that cost less than that. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, actually, all but one of my guitars cost less than that. And they're not a hairdryer. But I digress. I don't know that you are an asshole, Kumar. But I do think you were a little less than fully considerate. Uh, and I understand, you know, your wife told you that you could use the hairdryer whenever you want and, you know, didn't give you any boundaries around it. And again, you're it's not like you're, you know, doing anything that would ruin the hairdryer. And I do understand your wife maybe feeling a little weird about that, especially if she walked in on you doing that. Mm -hmm. So... 
I'm going to say this. You're not an asshole, but you could have been more considerate in this situation. Fair. Perhaps a little more fair than I want. I, I, I wind up on it, honestly. Please give me your take. Well, just like I, first of all, first of all, first of all, Mariah is calling. First of all, I can't help but question the veracity of this situation. Oh, no, this, this is very, very possibly completely faked. This sounds... Just to get at the top of the, like, queue. This sounds faked for the lulls. This... All the allusions to Halo and the idea that, like, the dude was comically humming the Halo theme song while drawing his balls. You know, it does suck, though, because... that with grain of salt. Yes, and... Tell me you don't know someone who would have done that. You and I both know at least two people who would absolutely do that while drying their balls with a plasma rifle looking hairdryer. Fair, I suppose. I did a quick Google search. There is a $430 Dyson hairdryer that is silver and purple, so... That does exist. That, That does lend credence to this. Assuming it's true. Which we always like to do. Which we always like to do. Yeah, I mean... No. There wasn't a conversation beforehand saying, please do not dry your groin with this. There isn't a conversation when you buy a car where they say, hey... Please don't shit in the engine block. You can. It necessarily won't even ruin anything. Nobody will know you do it until you get caught doing it. And it's still like there's a level of, well, you're not supposed to do this. Well, it's like, okay, he mentions... I'm going to devil's advocate for Kumar (laughs) for a second. There's a moment where he says, like... You know, I tried it out on my armpits. Sure. Now, I can absolutely believe that there's a person who... That there are two perfectly rational people in this world. And one of them would be weirded out by you using a hairdryer on your armpits. And the other one would be like, whatever. It's your armpits. Who gives a fuck? Right. And and, and I'm not saying that armpits are at the same level as groin. I'm not. But if there's ambiguity about the about the armpits, it's also not a far jump for my like neurodivergent ass to go, well, again, I'm not touching the hair dryer to my junk. So, how is this a problem? Like I want to clarify. I think where I land on it, it is not the act necessarily it is the fact that he did it at least once decided he liked it found found a benefit to it found it more hygienic and then did not disclose that maybe admittedly I'm also the kind of person who prefers toweling off to a hair dryer personally speaking but 
But but okay, answer answer his question then. Do you feel like he is the asshole? Because hmm. again, my answer is you're kind of inconsiderate, but you're not an asshole. It doesn't go that far. But where are you? This guy becomes an asshole the moment he's caught, butt naked, red-handed, and his response to his wife being like, what are you fucking doing, is him saying, you said I could use this however I wanted. <laughs> like, if nothing else, you, you dip a foot into being an asshole with just this, like, what? I don't get what the big deal is. See, that's, the problem is that's the part where I sympathize with him greatly. <laughs> you did not explicitly tell me I could not do this thing. Well, here's what you did tell me. No, but it's not, it's not, oh, oh, hey, this looks weird. It's not, oh, hey, wasn't expecting you there. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, this is a thing I discovered. It's... Would it have been better if he turned to his wife and he's been and he was just like, "Babe, have you tried this? Yes, it's amazing. Yes, it would have been better. That creates a sharing environment. Then, then they can communally dry their junk. Yes, not at the same time, but oh well. If it's at the same time, it's suddenly weird." <laughs> There's the SNL bit for the, the, the two-sided toilet seat that you can, oh, like, go Jesus. to the bathroom with your lover. Uh. It's a little like that. No, I mean, I, I, this, this guy is not a capital A asshole. He is not the asshole. We've gotten some a, asshole questions. That was a bit of an asshole-ish way of dealing with it. Hmm. I can give you that. Like, yeah. he could have done better with that. That's, my, that's where I land on. So what's the lesson to take from all of this? If your partner, anyone really, if somebody is sharing something with you and you use it in a way that justifiably is like bears comment, which I think using a hair dryer to dry your junk bears comment, that's... That's somewhat outside of what you would imagine a hairdryer is being used for. I suppose. Because it is... It would be another thing if it was his hairdryer. It is not his hairdryer. Mm -hmm. The lesson here is communicate when you are being given something in a sharing method and you are going to use it in a certain way. Even if... It's not strictly unhygienic, even if it doesn't soil the thing in any way. Even if it's just a little weird? Yeah. And listeners, please use your best judgment as much as possible to determine what, in fact, is a little weird. If you were given, like, some nice vodka... Somebody, like, pours you some vodka and you decide you somehow can go into the bathroom and butt chug it. <laughs> I think that would be something you should share before doing that. Because you can do that with cheap vodka and get just as drunk. I love you, Andy. I'm, I'm so glad. I hope you love us, dear listeners. 
Um, if you've listened to us for this, our 99th episode, and you've been a fan since the beginning, or you picked up halfway through, or you picked up two episodes ago, we hope you love us. We hope you're our internet friend. And if you have a relationship question, maybe it's a little delicate, maybe it involves something with a, a loved one or a communal living space partner. Or a communal hairdryer. Or a communal hairdryer. Wait, real talk. If someone did this with the hotel hairdryer, would it be weird? I have had the Pat Oswalt joke about seeing somebody in a Hotel Vegas just like scrubbing his testicles <laughs> at the hotel pool. You know what? Fair enough. In my head. Like, it might be a little strange, but certainly it's 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 less culpable than this situation. All right. Please continue. You can send us your questions, whether they're about your genitalia or your best friend or your pet or whatever. You can send those questions in to lovehaterelationshippodcast at gmail.com. We promise we'll read them. And if not, we're going to continue going to our friends on the internet. Indeed. You can uh, follow us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You know, I said the second one first. I'm going to take that again. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Uh, and you can rate and or review us on any and or all of those uh, platforms. We get told it helps people find the show. I don't know. It's been 99 episodes and I've checked the metrics like twice. <laughs> uh, you can also um, follow us on Twitter at LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D. Um you know, and DM us your questions there if that's any easier, or if you find ones all over the internet, send those to us as well. We truly take all comers. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me, Andy Bowell, at JovoCop2113 on Twitter if it's still around. If not, uh, look for me on Mastodon. I'm sure you'll find me. You can find my mini painting tick. Uh, you can find my mini painting Twitter, Andy's underscore minis. And you can find the Twitter for my sister show, Cult Fiction, a podcast I do with the incomparable Stephanie Johnson. And we watch shitty cult movies everywhere that you can find Love and Relationship. That's right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, chess.com, or LiChess. And I am active on some of those more than I am others. Hint, the chess ones. Um, at A underscore X underscore R-U-I-Z. Thanks for listening, y'all. We really, really appreciate it. And we have something very special planned for next episode. Y'all stay tuned. Until then, please tell your enemies.